Promise No Promises Songs to Sound Worlds The podcast Promise No Promises unfolds a further series of episodes devoted to songs to sound worlds, stories to rewrite them, on gender, storytelling and myth. This series emerges from the Autumn 2022 Master Symposium at the Institute Art, Gender, Nature, HGK, FHNW, moderated by Chus Martinez and Quinn Latimer, supported by Südkulturfonds. Etel Adnan once wrote, spectrally and spectacularly, mountains are spaceships and mountains are women. What else are mountains? What else women? Whose spaceship? And why collapse them into one story? To critically and virtuosically address the world from such mythic and counter-hegemonic positions means to face colonial histories and neocolonial realities, as well as their denial of ancestral and speculative ways of perceiving and shaping that very world. Our Autumn Master Symposium was devoted to artists and thinkers whose work addresses the importance of retelling and reinterpreting stories and myths that regard identity and gender with all their ecological and spectral entanglements intact. Such myths often transcend colonial binaries, offering life-generating languages that employ fiction and fantasy, poetry and song, which predate the systems imposed by heteromodernity and its patriarchization of our most foundational stories. This podcast series features talks and performances by Jumana Emila Bud, Bania Bedi, Christian Campbell, Achaye Kerunen, Astrid Ismaili, Tessa Mars, and Kara Springer. Episode 7 Names Achaye Kerunen is an artist, performer, storyteller, writer, and activist based in Kampala, Uganda. She graduated with a BSc in mass communication from the Islamic University in Uganda, Mbale. Her installation works, featuring hand stitching, appending, knotting, and weaving, are often made with local craftswomen, querying the line between fine art and craft and centering methodologies of performance, collaboration, social work and environmental consciousness. My name is A-Cha-Ye. So, it means positive pride. It is the first name, my, the name of my conception, literally, because it is the name that my mom gave to me whilst I was still in her womb. And she gave it to me because she almost lost me and herself to gender-targeted violence from the rest of my family. I am 
one of the last girls she gave birth to. And I come in a line of five girls. She lost one, now two. And I'm the last girl in the family. From my home, from my nation, it has always been, oh, it is your fault. It's the woman's fault that you're only giving birth to women. Women are useless, or so they say. So my mom in this home, being the second wife and coming in from the city, whilst at that point women were not getting much of an education, was referred to as a prostitute because in the construct of where she's coming from, a prostitute gives birth to fellow prostitutes. She tells me this story when I ask her because I was wondering why, why my name Achaye. And she told me, actually we were struggling because I was sitting for my primary living exams, I remember, and I had the opportunity to choose the names by which I was going to go by for later life. I had written Pamela Elizabeth Kerunen, which is my dad's name, our family name. And she looked at me and said, you mean you do not love the name that I gave you, me, my, your mother who bore you? And I'm like, I don't know what it means. I know that Pamela, which you gave me, means something beautiful beyond description. Yes, um, the meaning of the word Pamela. And then Elizabeth was given by my favorite aunt, who is now passed. And according to the Bible, it means one who has been redeemed and set apart. So I related with those names. But this Achaya name by my mother in this home and growing up listening to all the negative comments and segmenting of our lives and our experiences as women and daughters in this home, I felt stigmatized by my own name. So I'm having this conversation with her and I tell her, okay, you tell me what this name means. And she's like, actually Achaya is your first name because I gave it to you before you were born. I chose you and it is a non-binary name because she was not sure whether I would be a man or a woman. And even in knowing that, the society had already decided that it's going to be yet another prostitute to be born. And uh, so she named me. There were a lot of other things happening, but she rose above it and named me Achaye. The other name is Karenin which is my father's name, and it literally translates to mean the heirs are manifest. And the heirs in this sense are gender neutral, and we are. So in my artistic names, which I've now chosen to use, I'm known by Elizabeth, Pamela, Achaya Kiranen, but now I use Achaya Kiranen. I am the embodiment the acceptance of my identity that is rooted in the cultural space and the geopolitical space from which I have been brought into this earth. (laughs) 
the sound activity that we did was one to bring the resonance back into the room. Um, uh, they are all very new faces, apart from two. I doubt you could put a face to my name before I came in today. And this is what art does and my practice does. It generates a new language of association and of fellowship in any space. And if you notice, we started off having sounds that were dissimilar in trying to identify, and by the end, we were all in tune. And that is something that all years of conditioning, of racial profiling, of ethnicity, religion, you name it, can never take away from us as human beings because we relate to the soul. And at the soul level, there is no need for a dichotomy of language that has been built by people who found themselves on this earth and cannot even say when time began. And I'm privileged to be a part of this renewal, of this knowledge that has been here, and to share it and pass it on. So this performance work is a collection. I work with very many women across Uganda. Right now, I work with different collectives that come up to over 6,000 women. What do you do with all of them? Yeah. <laughs> and in working with all these women simultaneously, and mostly, most of the time when I'm working with them, we don't talk much. We feel, we see, we observe, we eat. Sometimes it's in a smile or it's in a grunt or it's in a color that we all gravitate to and we know that we are here. So whilst I was putting together the collection of works for my first exhibition, which was solo, which was in 2021, I listened to so many stories, so many women. I saw so much. And I'm a writer. I'm a poet. But there are times when words fail because they're not elastic. And the stories were very similar. Also, my experience of them, there are these series of sounds that came to me that I scored and have attached to particular works. When you go to the Uganda Pavilion, which is closing soon, you're going to find a few installations, some of my work, but each of those works is the realization or a grouping of 15 to 20 women who have touched part of the work along the way, woven, embroidery, um, knotting, the collection, the whole production chain, and they have one thing in common. In Uganda and most of Africa, especially for the makers and the artisanal women, we do not have the kind of documentation that happens here. You're not going to find, say, a lot of people in mental institutions. It does not take away from the fact that people struggle with mental issues. But how they manage them is weaving. It is art. It is ritual. It is music. It is dance. So it's 
all these things that happen of knowledge that is present and yet not visible, knowledge that is known and felt and yet not spoken or not. added a variation to that today. And um, channeled a bit of 
a very traumatic set of events that happened to me yesterday as I was coming in. And it has a lot to do with the boxing of humanity and people according to color, mostly because color is my experience. Um, the questioning of how dare you come into this place? How dare you occupy this place? Who are you? And there is the constant negotiation of space and time. And earlier today, we were talking about how do you dignify an experience of your dehumanization? Because when you begin to even speak about it, because in acknowledging your pain, your familiarity on the basis of your skin color, it's a kind of giving away of your power. So you choose not to talk about these things because, hey, you're here for the art. And yet, the art is an extension of your humanity. And when you go through experiences that seek to decapitate that very humanity, then what are you left with except a sound or a series of sounds that need not have a language or a form or is structuring an extraction of their joy, except the sound which can be felt, experienced by humanity and animals alike. Because at the end of the day, we are all but living beings. I have a trailer of um, a documentary that we're working on, and it is called Iwang Sour. Iwang Sour is Alor, which is my primary language. I'm not using mother tongue for the very reason that they, we need to unthink and learn the connotations and the weaponization of certain words that keep coming up in especially the artistic cultural spaces. When you call me indigenous, what do you mean? And when I call myself indigenous, what do I mean? When you call my language mother tongue, what do you call your language? Is it a primary language? Is it a language? Why is my language indigenous and mother tongue? And your language is, what is it? What is your vernacular? Who dictates what vernacular is? And what does it mean within this diasporatic conclave that we have become? What do we mean when we say all these things? Why must you refer to me as an African artist? I am an artist. That should be enough. But is it? So Iwang Sour, Iwang is a lore for in the eye. 
but it also means to burn time. Because the women that I work with who are constrained, their art making has been constrained to craft making. Oh, craft. Oh, it's African. It's very indigenous. It is craft. And yet, these are art forms that embody all the aesthetics of what is referred to here as fine art. It is fine. It is artisanal. It has elements, not just elements, but canons of time. A single artwork, even a single small basket, is the realization of a year of making, a year of time, a year of dedication. The intricacy of that weaving, of the patterning, agreed patterns, a binary languages and non-binary languages, a matrices of mathematical equations that go directly into the goal, what you term here as science and empirical research. But because it has been made by two black hands and the body of a woman somewhere in this geospot that was named as Africa, it is a piece of craft from an indigenous local nation. So not from place of attack, but I request that we start to question ourselves every time we're referencing and othering people and using these words or groupings of words to start to question why, why? Why am I using this word and not the other? in reference to this particular work, which is similar. And sour is Swahili for time. So the work is a series of moments of reflections and of myself, of inserting myself into the space back and forth. I'm an artist curator because again, in the art making pedagogy from Africa, the lines between artist and curator are very marred. Cause in my art making, I'm commissioning, I am twining, I am designing, I'm organizing people, I am singing, I'm composing music, I'm writing notes, and then I'm presenting the work, and I'm paying the artists, and I'm... So when, when a lot of people ask me, so what exactly do you do? Again, I am a Chaye Keronen, and the work is just a series. So what you're going to see is a rough cut of moments and things, not everything, but I thought I should grab the most um, interesting moments. Earlier we were talking about textiles. There is a very lived culture of texturing from the Great Lakes region of East Africa. And uh, it's from trees, the ficus tree. And it's a tree that regenerates over 40, 50 years. So from the same tree, every year, a single buck is harvested. And that is used in cloth making, in art, and everything. The same with the palms that you see a lot in a lot of art from other primary nations from around the globe. I refuse to call them indigenous. And I request that we stop calling nations, primary nations, indigenous. 
let's use the word primary, because they are conveyors of knowledge before time knew its name. And it's in the spirit of moving forward this global conversation on integrity and humanity, we could start by circumcising our own tongues, so to speak, and um, uh, castrating some of the violence and taking back that space. Um, the other thing is conservation, the idea of conservation and climate change ecology and political popcorn means nothing to us because for us, climate conservation, climate management is a practice. It's not a series of meaningless words on a piece of paper that has been drummed up at a very expensive conference somewhere in the world from which most of Africa is excluded and then the remnants of those decisions like EACOP are pushed onto Africa to pay the price for Europe's bad, careless extraction of the environment. So when you come to Uganda and to Africa and you have the time and the humility to sit down and unlearn what you think you know as knowledge, you'll find the answers. And you'll find the answers not in a building, but out in nature. And that is why my artwork also deconstructs the white wall and the white box, because the idea of constantly having to frame the telling of a story, the telling of a picture, or the positioning of a work in itself is a genocide on knowledge. Promise No Promises is a podcast series produced by the Gender Center for Excellence, a research project of the Institute Art, Gender, Nature, HGK, FHNW, Academy of Art and Design in Basel, conceived as a think tank tasked to assess, develop and propose new social languages and methods to understand the role of gender in the arts, culture, science and technology, as well as in all knowledge areas that are interconnected with the field of culture today. If you're interested to get more information about further podcasts and events related to this project, please visit detank.ch or subscribe to our newsletter at info.kunst.hgk at fhnw.ch. Editing and voiceover, Elena Cesar. Music, Niklas Kammermeier. Research Team, Tabea Rutfuchs and Marion Ritzmann. Press and Communication, Anna Franke. Technical Support by Esther Hunziger, Karin Bohrer, Konrad Siegel and Chris Handberg. Copyright Institute Art, Gender, Nature, HGK, FHNW, 2023.